Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Good morning. I'm Paula Monin, and I'm the Family Ministry Director at the Valley Pippa Campus, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, you're going to be um, in for a treat. This is a very short sermon. Um, <laughs> not because it's great, it's just because it's short. Um, I have a question I want to ask you this morning. It's not a spiritual question. Um, how many of you have a garden or have ever planted a garden? Oh, somebody's excited about their garden. Okay, um, Andy and I also have a garden. And back in April and uh, March and April, when you start thinking about your garden and what it's going to look like, you know, this coronavirus hit. And we were going to the grocery store, and we're seeing all these empty shelves. And we were talking. We said, "Should we like? Should we expand our garden? Are we gonna like? Is it gonna come to this? Are we gonna have to like, you know, get our own food, you know, and everything?" Um, as it turns out, we did not expand our garden, and it's it's just as well because we can't even hardly take care of the one that we have, and it's not that big. But um, I know Andy talks about the garden a lot. Um, today, well, well, actually, when we were dating, uh, just like. Well, I guess it's been a long, long time ago. Um, <laughs> we're old now. Um, when we were dating, he used to do this thing. He would take me to his dad's garden, and his dad is a big-time gardener. He was a big-time gardener. And he would have, like, an acre of garden. Like, he had several gardens, and he planted everything. And so when we were dating, he would take me to the garden and have me guess what all the different plants were. Like, before they had fruit on them. Like, just guess, see if I can know what they were. Well, I grew up, we also had a garden. We had tomato plants, about 25 of them, or 30. I don't know, it seemed like we had about 50, and then a handful of radishes, and that's it. Like, our family loved tomatoes. We ate tomatoes like apples. We had them, like, during the summer, we had them at every meal. And so I knew what a tomato plant looked like. Radishes to this day, I couldn't tell you what the plant looks like. I know what a radish is. But um, when he was taking me and quizzing me through all this garden and having me guess things, you know, I really, I knew what the tomato plant looked like, but other than that, I was just guessing. Now, some of them I, I probably guessed right, but if this would have been a test, I would have failed because I really didn't know what all these, I didn't even know what some of them were. I, I hadn't even eaten some of the things that his dad was growing in his garden. He just had so many different things. So if, if Andy Zabrat to ask me if to weed his garden, I so would have probably pulled up a lot of the vegetables. Now, um, Sometimes it's hard to tell the weeds from the real thing. I don't know if you ever looked at some weeds I think are really pretty, and you, they ought to be something, but they're, but they're not. They're just weeds. And if you're a mom, I'm sure you've been giving, given um, some pretty flowers that are yellow. You know, those kind of pretty weeds. Um, so sometimes it's really kind of hard to tell the difference. And I don't especially like weeding. Does anybody in here else not like weeding? Yeah, and I mean, it's not a fun job. And I have some really good news for you today because we are talking about the parable of weeds and it's not our job to weed. So we're, we're in luck. This is the second week in the sermon series called Bringing Heaven Down. And we are going to talk about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. So if you want to turn to Matthew, and I found that I'm having a harder time reading it here. So um, I'm going to read it from the screen <laughs> until I get some better context. So anyway, we'll just start off here. Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed the weeds among the wheat 
and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in, with your, in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now back in um, the time when Jesus was telling this parable, the first century Jews, they lived in an agrarian culture, so they would have totally understood farmers and, and wheat and fields and all of those things, and Jesus used those examples a lot. You know, it's something that they totally understood. Now me and my garden, if my garden doesn't produce, not a big deal. I'm going to go to Kroger, and I'm just going to get everything that I didn't grow, you know? But back in those days, they needed their gardens. They, ne they needed their fields. They needed them to produce to eat. But they also needed them because they would use what they grew to exchange for other things that they did need. So this was huge. And they understood this. And it was important. And, and also during that time, if a farmer wanted to sabotage another farmer, he would just sow this bearded darnel into the wheat and what it was, was it was a poisonous, like fungus type thing that would look exactly like the wheat, but it, but it was, but it was going to be poisonous. So if they would have harvested it and had the, it would, the flower would have been ruined. There, it actually happened enough that in some places they outlawed doing it. So these people would have a, probably a better understanding than what we might have of, of this parable. But Jesus goes down a little bit later, a few verses later, and explains the parable when the disciples ask him to explain it. If you go to starting with verse 36, it says, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom of everything that causes sin and all who do evil. So, they will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun, in the kingdom of their father, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, during this age, the kingdom of heaven, we notice in the beginning, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed, and then the, the enemy comes and he plants this weed. So the, the age that we're living in, the kingdom of heaven looks a lot like good and bad together, of true and false growing together. And so this particular passage is all about the opposition to the kingdom. And so today I just want to point out like three obser four observations that I see in this parable. And the first one is this. The devil is the one who sows the seed. And it's very interesting to me in this parable that when the enemy comes, he does not like touch the wheat. He doesn't cut it out. He doesn't pull it out. 
He doesn't touch it. And it reminded me of a scripture in John 20, 28, when Jesus is talking, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them from my hand. You see, Jesus protects his people and if you choose to follow him, he gives you that everlasting safety. And I thought that was so interesting that you know, if he really wanted to, to sabotage and wanted to damage that field, he, he, he could have gone and pulled them out, but he was not allowed to. That he cannot touch the wheat. And the other thing about the enemy is that he came at night when everybody was sleeping, which is just how the enemy works, because he works in secret. And if he can't come in and damage them, he's going to use another mode. And what he usually will do would, would be to imitate. And there's a scripture that says that in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15, it says that, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then that his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. And so I feel like in this scripture, we need to be aware that, that in this, this age of, that we are in, of the kingdom of heaven, where there's right and wrong, there's good and bad, there's evil and good living side by side, we need to be very, very aware of how the enemy works. And that sometimes something's going to look like wheat and it's going to sound like wheat, but guess what? It's not going to be wheat at all. And that's why it's important for us to stay in God's word. And that's why it's important for all of us to hold everything up that we hear to the light of God's truth. Everything you would hear here, everything you would hear everywhere, hold it up to the light of God's truth. Because we want to make sure that we are not caught in to what the enemy wants to do and wants to pull us away. The second observation that I have in this it's parable is that hell is real. It's not just something that you've heard of and it's not, you know, God really won't, you know, send anybody to hell. It's very real. And in the Bible, Jesus talks about hell and describes hell in more detail than he describes heaven. I'm not a fire and brimstone kind of girl. I, and, and when I was a little girl, you know, like it's kind of scary to hear that kind of thing. But to me, a, a God who loves us so much and Jesus loves us so much that he wanted us to know, like, this is what it's going to be like in the end. He doesn't want anybody to go there. We know that. Scripture tells us that. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. But he wants us to know that it's real. Because, you know, this world that we're living in, this side by side, where the good and the bad are side by side, this kingdom of heaven, this we're already in here, but not all the way yet. Because when we're all the way yet, the kingdom of heaven is going to be perfect from one end to the other. But in the meantime, we're living in the meantime, where there is good and bad together. But in the end, there's going to be a time where he's going to clear it out. None of us wants to go to heaven where there's going to be murders. None of us wants to go to heaven where little kids are going to be beaten. None of us wants to go to a heaven that would look like that. Heaven is going to be this perfect place. So there has to be some time when he clears this out, when he separates the weeds from the wheat. So there's a time coming when that will happen. And so he wants us to know about it. He wants us to be aware of it. He says it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is not going to be a place where we want to go. There's going to be regret there. So I think that he wants us to know that hell is real. But the third thing that I observed, and the thing that I really would like to camp on, the thing that I really was so excited about, and I think describes the kingdom of heaven better than anything else in this parable, is the word no. When Jesus said no, it was the most loving word that he could have uttered. When his servants came to him and said, Did you didn't you plant good seed in this soil? Then what, where come from and he said do you want us to take them out and he said no he said don't take them out let them grow up side by side 
And sometimes we find ourselves seeing, because there's evil all around us. It is everywhere we look. And sometimes we want God to come back in and we want him to take out that now. Why are you waiting so long? Why, why do you delay and let this evil happen all around us? And we sometimes wonder, where are you, God? Why don't you just settle this thing already? And I think this is it. This is why he doesn't. We'll find it in 2 Peter 3, 9. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I believe that he said no, because there are so many, don't pull them up yet. Don't pull them up yet. There are so many people that need to come to know me yet. And it is the sweetest, most loving thing that he could have ever done was say no, don't pull them up. Because we don't know what's going to happen I heard a story about a man, his name was Casey, and Casey had a really rough childhood. He had a, he had a rough life. Um, some of us, we, we have easy street compared to this man. He grew up and both parents were alcoholics, were drug addicts, they, they did not care for him. He was caring for himself. And when he was eight years old, his mom had another baby and would just leave him with the baby all night long, an eight-year-old taking care of a baby and himself. He's a baby himself. He had a rough life. And early on, by the age of 12, he was doing drugs himself, and he was into alcohol, and he joined a gang. And he witnessed a lot of, a lot of horrific kind of things. And then by the age of 16, he committed murder. And by this parable, we would say that's, that is a weed. That is evil. Like, how can somebody not have be so careless about another life you know that is evil and we would be god just you know do you want to live next door to someone that does this we would say just come down just take him out but you know while he was while he was in prison serving his time this church had a prison ministry and there was a lady who just felt called to just pray for him and she would just go see him like every every week she was going to see him and pray for him and one day when he was in that prison cell Jesus just touched his heart and he realized he had a need for a savior and he realized that he could be forgiven and he, he accepted Jesus as his savior. And, and fast forward, after, after doing the time for his crime, 20 years later, he is married and he has three kids and he is a pastor who preaches the gospel. And I think, what would have happened if we just discarded him? What would have happened if we just, you want me just to weed him out of here? He never would have come to the place where he did to receive Christ. Sometimes we see weeds and we want to just get rid of them, but God sees redemptive potential. And I think that when he said no, it was the sweetest, greatest, most loving, kind thing that he could have ever said, no, don't take them out. Let them grow right alongside until the harvest. There's going to be a time when we're going to have to decide one way or the other. And, we're not, and it's going to be too late to decide then. But until that time, he's like, I want as many as I can, as many who will come to me, come to me. And I just think it's the most beautiful thing. And it describes the, he, the, the kingdom of heaven so beautifully. You know, Andy's dad had that garden I told you about. And if I had weeded it, I would have put up so many plants because there's so much that I didn't know. And the same is true 
with the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes we see weeds, and there are just things we don't know. And we, don't see what, we do not see the things that God sees in people. And sometimes we just see somebody so destructive and somebody so evil, and we think, God, just, like, enough. But you know what? God loves them. And so I think what would happen if instead of seeing weeds, instead of seeing people as a problem, instead of seeing them as an irritation, we started praying for them and looking at them differently? You know, maybe it's a coworker that you work with that is just impossible to work with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's even a politician. What would happen if we started praying? I don't know, but God was just speaking to my heart about his no and about the harvesters. Sometimes we get confused. The harvesters are the angels, not us. Our role is to tell as many people as we can about this great hope that we have. Because God's not willing that anybody should perish, but that all should have eternal life. And I think that that, that is wonderful news. The fourth um, observation that I have is this. is that Jesus is the only one who sows good seed. And that it's through Jesus Christ alone that we become sons and daughters of the kingdom. And to me, this this. This parable has just, studying it makes me see that it is, it is so beautiful. And I am so thankful for this God who loved me so much that he allowed me to grow right alongside that wheat. That he didn't come and have the, have the um, harvesters come and just take me out right now. He loved me enough to let me grow alongside of that wheat till I came to that place where I knew and saw my need for a Savior. He is a loving God. And I feel like this is, this is the best news today. He ends the passage with those who have ears, let them hear. And I think if you're hearing this message today, then God obviously wants to tell you something, and maybe he's already telling you something. Maybe it's that I'm not the harvesters, and I need to quit being critical and judgmental of other people, and I need to start praying for them. Or maybe he's speaking to you, telling you that he's waiting. And he sees potential in you that nobody else sees. That he's preparing this kingdom. We're, on, we're in the becoming part. We're living in the kingdom of heaven, but we're not that perfect place. And he's preparing heaven, and he can't imagine having it without you. Um, and he's waiting. So maybe he's speaking to your heart about that today. That he is, he is waiting for you. You're the one that he desires to come to him. You know, um, it's just amazing to me that we are, we, are, we are in this already but not yet stage, but God is just wooing us with his love. Everything about it is countercultural. Everything about it doesn't make sense because we, we would like to see this kingdom as this perfect thing, but God came down, and in his love, he died on a cross. His throne was a cross, and he moves forward with such love and such grace. And this morning... For those of you who've already accepted Christ, you know your job. We're sent out to go and to tell others about him. But for those of you who have never experienced Jesus in that way, I just don't want to leave here today without giving you that opportunity to become a son or a daughter of the kingdom of heaven. So um, as I end this prayer, I'm just really specifically going to pray for those who want to make that decision this morning. So maybe Jesus is speaking to your heart and you just, you just have this sense that you know there's more. You have this sense that you know you're not right with God. You, and you just sense that he is calling you to make that decision so that you can 
be part of his kingdom in the end. So if you would all just pray with me, and if you want to do that, you can just say these words as if they're your own. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are just not willing for any of us to perish, but that you want all of us in heaven with you. And I thank you that your kingdom is built on mercy and grace. Jesus, I see my need for a Savior, and I know that it is you. And I know that I have sinned against you, and I want to ask forgiveness for those sins. And if you're praying this prayer, as God brings them to your mind, just confess them to him one by one. God, I thank you that as I put my trust and hope in you, I, I can know that I'm a son or a daughter in your kingdom. God, thank you for loving me more than I deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.